He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. Automation is key. So one of the foundations of EOS is that you create repeatable processes and then you can use those to scale. There's no way to scale if you're trying to do everything yourself. So, um, you know, one of the commonalities in the way that we got together was via the hostfully, the prop PMS, the property management systems. Uh, right away, I knew that if I was going to do this and I wanted to actually grow a business and not just have a rental property, that I needed to figure out ways to automate things that happen every day in order to scale. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. What's up, all my Slick Talkers? You are listening to the one and only Hostfully Highlight series here on Slick Talk. This means every Friday I have partnered up with my friends at Hostfully to interview their amazing property managers around the world to see what they're doing, how they used this time during the COVID-19 pandemic in order to optimize the tools that are currently already in their toolbox, like Hostfully themselves. You're listening to the Hostfully Highlight series. Now, onto the show. everybody welcome back to slick talk the hospitality podcast i'm your host will slickers and today i have a fun opportunity to highlight some of our amazing show partners um, people that have been giving back to people in the industry whether it's through tech or software or other types of service provider stuff for the vacation rental industry and i'm excited to do a couple highlights today so jim Welcome to the show. We have you all the way from Idaho. Uh, we'll explain a little bit more later on that. But Jim, I'm excited to have you on. And thanks for being a part of Slick Talk. Appreciate it, Will. I'm excited to be featured on your podcast today and uh, been looking forward to this all week. Heck yeah. We had a great chat last week and uh, now we're sitting by, uh, by our computers with some coffee and a microphone, so it can't get any better than that. They're a natural habitat right here. And you were just showing me a cool view, uh, which is super awesome. And uh, I'm a little jealous to see the beautiful white snow that you got behind uh, your computer screen there. But I want you to kind of maybe jump right in for us and tell us a little bit about you, your background, and um, what, uh, maybe explain a little bit on the Idaho uh, part that I said in, in the beginning. Sure, sure. So uh, as you mentioned before, my name is Jim Sheehan. Uh, I run a property management company uh, called Idaho Property Management based in Alta, Wyoming. Uh, we're right on the, the border of Wyoming and Idaho, thus the sort of the conglomeration of the name Idaho. I, I would like to say that I was smart enough to come up with that, but it's sort of a common lingo in these parts where people talk about Oh, we're in Idaho just because it's the borders right here and half the people live in Wyoming, half the people live in Idaho. Um, you'd asked a little bit about my background. Uh, I was uh, a tech executive. Uh, I had a large company that I sold back in 2015 uh, based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'd done a little bit of short-term rental there. 
but after we sold the company, uh, decided to move out to Wyoming and retire and came out to Alta, Wyoming and spent a year sort of uh, uh, semi-retired or, or skiing every day and then trying to figure out what to fill up the rest of my days with. And, and that's sort of where, where Idaho came from. So can you explain, because I think I know exactly what you're talking about, the little entrepreneur itch where it's like, I can't just not create something or not do something. Um, so what was the story? Like, what was like, all right, we're going to turn this like property management thing into a real business. Uh, what, what got that sparking? Yeah, so I've, I've been a serial entrepreneur sort of my whole career. Uh, I've had a number of different companies. And the last one, like I said, we sold in 2015. I had 15, 1600 employees all over the world. And, and I spent my life sort of traveling around and, and creating this company. And, and I was going, you know, 300 miles an hour every day, all day for the last 20 years. I mean, it was, it was pretty wild. I mean, it was fun. I, I, I really get off on growing companies. I've, I've been part of the entrepreneurial network and, and helped mentor and help, help form a lot of different, uh, companies and we came out here retired and it went from you know traveling 300,000 miles in six months on air airfare to get up I start the fire we go skiing come back and and it just it wasn't completely doing it for me uh, so I started looking around and had some disposable assets and I said well there seems to be a lot of renters in this area and I sort of tripped into the business I would say like a lot of people in our industry do. Um, I said, eh, let me just buy a house and I can manage this. I had a, I had a couple Airbnbs in, uh, in Minneapolis that I had sold off when we moved out here. And it turned out that there was quite a, quite a need for it. And then I started looking around, of course, you can't, when you have sort of this bug, you know, this entrepreneurial bug, you can't just say, ah, oh, that's good enough. You sort of look at it and it's like, how can I improve on this? What can I do to make this better? And I realized there was a huge void uh, in the specific geo that I was at where, with anybody running a company the way I would run it. So I immediately put on my entrepreneur's hat and, and uh, this was about this time last year and it's, uh, it's taken off. No, that's incredible. And I, I wanna highlight a couple of points because for, for a hospitality geek like me, um, the fact that you use the common slang or term Idaho that you guys use in the local community is actually super important. And I'm, I'm actually glad that you guys did that because uh, it's like adds more story to it than just saying, oh, we kind of created it and just and nobody else knows what it is. But if you have the local community now kind of involved. They, they're going to know that term, that slang. And so it's going to be something that you guys become known for. So I think that's something, um, especially on the podcast, we love to highlight, you know, the, yeah. the overall local and the, like the humanization that vacation rentals uh, do for the communities. It really brings a, a face to the, to the area. And so I think that's really cool. And that's yeah. especially, Oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, it's, it's so needed too, because it's not, I mean, at, if we strip it down to the base of it, we're just trying to put heads on pillows every night and, and mm -hmm. turn that into revenue. Yeah, that's at its most basics. But if you really look at what we're doing is we're creating experiences and you have to be fully embedded in the community and, the, and, and what it has to offer to really take it to that next level and set yourself apart. So 
could I just say I'm in hospitality and I'm just renting stuff? Sure, but that really short changes what it takes to grow and do something effectively. Mm. So uh, yeah, you yeah. you hit it right on the head with uh, pulling in the name Idaho and and really yeah. doing that. And we can talk a little bit more about the marketing spin later, but yeah. um, we're really working hard on that. No, it's great, and it's it's uh, there's a lot of people I've talked to off the record and on the record, um, aka on on a recording, but. Um, I think just the storytelling aspect is, it's what gives you that, you know, leverage in a sense, when it comes to the guest, you, you get them to feel connected, you get them to really anticipate their stay with you instead of just be like, yeah, we're staying somewhere in, uh, Idaho or Wyoming. I don't know. We're just, we're going somewhere. We're staying yeah. at a house, you know, but they're going to, they're going to actually anticipate the stay with you. So I love that. And for the entrepreneur side of things, and I know this is kind of a little rabbit trail here, but you, you talked about filling a gap and like how you could just, you know, started and got a couple, you know, like you said, the, the basic term of heads and beds, turnover, heads and beds, turnover, heads and beds, turnover. Um, but you saw a gap in the market and you saw something that was needed. And as an entrepreneur, what was the, like the, I guess the natural steps for you in order to take that overall idea and expand it and get things to grow the way that they have. Yeah. So it is a rabbit hole and I could talk for two hours on this. And I know you try to do these podcasts an hour. Um, when I grew my last company, uh, we started, you know, with five people. And like I said, we ended up with, you know, well over thousands of people all across the, the globe. I used a process called EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It was, it was um, coined by a, a gentleman named Gino Wickman. He wrote a book called Traction. I helped edit this book way, way back in the day when we were starting off. And, and it really just lays out a process for what you need to do to gain traction in a company and try to grow it. So just the way I'm wired, it was natural as soon as I had this little business, which was this single property. Um, and I started looking around at other property management companies in the Valley. Um, I started layering in what I know about how to, how to grow and on, how to grow a company. And uh, it just sort of took off from there. Um, the, the next step was uh, my brother-in-law had a house in the valley that we had been coming to to vacation. That's really how we fell in love with the valley is we'd been coming out here every year to ski with our families. And I, I just happened to ask him like, let me, let me see the books on this. How, how does, how does it work? I mean, you've, you've had another company sort of doing this. And I started pouring through the numbers and how this was done. And it, dawned on me right away that there's a huge void. If this is if this is how people are positioning vacation rental and how they're treating homeowners, uh, there's a need to come in here and do something a little different. So I layered on EOS, I started looking at this, I bought a couple other properties and started bringing other properties in and uh, and it, it's resonating with with the people in the valley and and other people that have second homes here that want to have a professional management. I love that too. Cause you talk about different stakeholders. Not only are you involved in the community by using a community term such as Idaho, but now you're talking about the stakeholder of the, the vacation rental homeowner, the, the person that 
maybe not be in the industry and not know what good management looks like, AKA you guys, um, or what a bad manager looks like, or someone who really is just, uh, I think there's a, there's what we saw pre COVID. There's a lot of people getting into the industry for the quick buck. Um, Mm -hmm. they didn't make it in the beginning in April and, and, uh, in May or sorry, March and April. Um, so I think that's, uh, another kind of differentiator for you guys. Yeah. Well, it's not lost on you. I mean, you've been tight to the industry for a while, but for people looking at it, <clears throat> it's really like running two different companies. Mm-hmm. And you, and you, you know, not only with your accounting and your books and doing trust accounting, but uh, you've got two distinct sets of constituents that really don't don't overlap at all. You've got the property owners and the people that have this asset that you have to you have to baby this asset. You have to make sure that it's maintained. You have to make sure they're comfortable with how you're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you've got a completely different set of skill sets and different hats that you put on to do the guest relationship and making sure that people that are spending their hard-earned dollars to come out and have a family vacation have the yeah. best experience they can have. And there's not a lot of overlap in in the skill sets there other than you've you've you need both sides of it to, to really make it work. No, very true. Very true. Yeah. I was going to ask, so going from a tech company to, you know, having, you know, thousands of employees around the world to now being in hospitality and vacation rental world, uh, uh, vacation rentals, what has been the biggest thing that you've learned as you've been creating this Idaho management business? Uh, because that's going to be quite the different type of, environment and atmosphere and overall like very fast paced versus like very fast paced but on a smaller scale can you explain maybe some learnings that you've had from this journey yeah and again i'll fall back a little bit on the eos and the and the traction processes because it breaks it down into commonalities for any business i can i can take that and apply it uh but my very early early learning was that automation is extremely important. You know, granted, I was I was in the tech industry and, and we implemented software for companies all across the globe. So I was going to say, was, are you just saying that <laughs> because you're a tech guy? <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm a geek at heart. I mean, our very yeah. first company, I, I had an ISP before the telcos were doing it, was doing web hosting and, and dial up when there was actually dial up. Um, but automation is key. So one of the foundations of EOS is that you create repeatable processes and then you can use those to scale. There's no way to scale if you're trying to do everything yourself. So, um, you know, one of the commonalities in the way that we got together was via the hostfully, the PMS, the property management systems. Uh, Right away, I knew that if I was gonna do this and I wanted to actually grow a business and not just have a rental property, that I needed to figure out ways to automate re- things that happen every day in order to scale. So I went out and I looked at a bunch of different PMS systems and, and having sold and implemented customer management solutions for you know 20 years, uh, I knew what I was looking for. I knew how I wanted it to work. I knew the kind of company I wanted to work with. And uh, that was key for me to really get get them on board or get the platform on board and then look at how do I take this and automate pieces of my business so that I can scale it. Um, exactly. Yeah. 
you know, one of my differentiators in this market space is that I think there's a there's a more cost effective way to do it than some of the other people that are just, you know, taking 40, 50% of the of the rents to do mm-hmm. it. So I've differentiated on price, but if you're going to do that, your margins are thinner. So if you, you can't just fill in all the processes with tons of people. You need to yeah. fill it in with software to automate. It's the only way to scale. Uh, that, yeah, led right into my last or my next question, which was, uh, what what do you feel like makes you stand out compared to the other property management companies in the market, or just your market as a whole? Um, but I want to get back into the tech thing, or not the tech, the automation, and that is. Um, have you guys found that balance? I'm, I'm assuming yes, but have you found that balance of automating tasks and, and processes, but then also being able to step in and add that human connection piece with your guests or with your team? Yeah. And that's, that's sort of the last mile, the human connection piece on it. So you can, you can go 99% of the time with automation, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody thinks my automated messages are, are me hammering out a personalized email to them. And if they knew that I, you know, I was flipping 15 properties today, and <laughs> it just, that wasn't going to work. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you have to be there and available in this industry. If somebody has a, a question or a need um, or, you know, you, we've all heard the, the, the wild stories. I'll just share a quick one. I was, uh, um, I get this. I get this call, and I've got a guest that is buck naked, locked out on a porch outside. And I'm like, "What? You, you can't make this stuff up." So you know, they were doing this Wilm Hof cold therapy type thing. They walked out on the porch. The door locked behind them. They had the tub filling up behind them. The people that called me were underneath because the tub's overflowing and water's coming down. So you have you can't. You can't automate for that. You have to be available. You have to be uh, you have to be responsive, and you have to be ready to do it. So, yeah. Um, but you can set up all the systems. So even even our phone system, it's a virtual phone system. We use a company mm. called Grasshopper. Mm. Um, so I'm able to route calls to various cell phones, switch that over uh, based on who's available at the time, and and things like that. So you you can never predict everything in our industry. And that was not a problem I ever thought I would would run across, Um, but you did. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, definitely a call I don't think any of us expect to get. Um, Definitely not like being from the hotel world. uh, Originally, I've had a couple of crazy things like that. You're like, what the heck are people doing on the fourth floor? Like I'm hearing all this crazy yeah. stuff and guests are complaining or someone comes down and says, Hey, you know, there's somebody on your roof. Right. And you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah I, I totally get that. Um, and that kind of, so like for automated things like messaging and emails and maybe just even responding to guest inquiries where they're asking questions about the property or the local area. Um, how do you, if everything's being automated, what are the ways that you can tell that you actually need to respond versus like, are you watching everything happen as, you know, guests are messaging and they're getting responses or um, is there a certain trigger that you set to them be like, okay, I actually need to respond to this one. Um, Well, yeah. Well, you need to, you need to put an eye on every, every message going by uh, whether it's on Verbo or Airbnb Mm -hmm. or, or direct channels. Um, so you do have to put an eye on there for those off questions that the automation's not asking. 
Mm-hmm. And then you also have to make sure that the guests have a way to reach out. Um, and most, you know, most guests don't. Um, if you if you do it properly, people have a good time. But we all have yeah. those guests that are are a little needier, mm-hmm. and just uh, want to make sure there's a live person behind that number. So yeah. making sure that there's ways, you know, we put QR codes for the hostfully guidebooks and all of our properties so that people can just scan it on their phone and and our phone number is right there they can just click it and text us if they need to and that'll actually get to a live person um, that's awesome so you just have to you, you have to make sure that uh, that they know how to get to people if they need it no that's awesome i love that you brought up the qr code thing that's something i've been preaching for pre-COVID times actually to be like, all right, guidebooks. Like I love the hostly guidebook and I'm glad that you mentioned them too. But then I'm like, you know, you can have it be automated, but a lot of people like after they go through so many messages, they kind of never want to go back and start digging for it again. Yeah. And so I'm like, yeah, I've been, I, I put it, a QR code on my parents' property, like early 2019 was like, all right, this is your, this is your QR code. They granted, they don't quite understand it. They're not tech. Um, savvy at all so yeah. uh they're they're like can you update it when we make changes and like yeah i'll make i'll make sure it's up to date but um basically i tell them like your your guest will scan it with their camera it'll pull up that it'll be right there at their fingertip like you don't have to worry about printing papers off anymore like it's all done and i can make a change anywhere in the world for you guys if you need to update your wi-fi password or um, yeah. change the lock code or whatever like that so it's a, it's a great tool. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, not many people are doing it from what I've seen. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've stayed at a fair number of, of Airbnbs and whatnot throughout yeah. around the world. And I always get a kick out of these printed guidebooks. I'm like, who is, who's updating this? And, yeah. you know, and I have time job. Yeah. I have to actually get to the property and, and page through this versus planning on my flight there. I mean, if somebody sent me the link or the, or the codes, you know, ahead of time, you know, I'm the type of person that's going to go through everything and look at it before I get there. Now I know it. And I may not remember all the information, but if the question pops up while I'm in the property, I'm like, oh, I saw that in that guidebook. Here's the link or here's Mm -hmm. the QR code. I'm going to scan it. Now I got the information. Super, super simple. And it's, uh, I can't believe people are still laminating, (laughs) laminating sheets, throwing them in a three ring binder and putting them on the counter. Yeah, no, agreed. And for anyone listening, you can go to canva.com. It's free and you can create your own QR codes right there. It's as simple as that. Um, uh, So anyways, I want to get into something that we kind of mentioned, uh, well, I kind of mentioned pre-COVID and it's kind of the conversation we can't avoid. Unfortunately, Um, I would love to have an episode where we don't mention COVID-19 ever, but uh, I think there's a lot we can learn from it. So I want want to get your opinion from pre-COVID during COVID, especially in the beginning when we're, you know, March, April, when I think everyone was kind of like thinking the sky was falling. And then uh, of course, post COVID, hopefully when we're on the other side, what's it been like for you guys in your market? What have you guys done with your time in the beginning and specifically March and April in 2020? Yeah. Um, and a third question to throw it in there is how to, how's it impact, you know, to where you guys got today? Yeah. yeah. Um, Good questions. You're probably going to have other guests that have a, a fuller story here. So like I said, we start, we really started uh, a year ago, January. Mm-hmm. So we bought our first property, 
had brought on somebody else's property and were just getting going and then COVID hit. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you remember, it was February and we were all, everyone was sort of like, is this real? Is this not real? You know, yeah. what's, what's oh, going to happen? Yeah. And then all of a sudden March hit and it started to really pick up. And I was like, well, well, we'll sort of see what happens. And so much of our winter activities are based around the resort that we're, you know, at the base of really Grand Targhee. It's a big ski resort in Wyoming. Um, all of a sudden they announced the mountain shutting down. Mm. Every single one of my reservations the next day canceled. I mean, I went from 95% occupancy to nothing. But again, I only had a couple of properties and and um, I talked to my wife who, who owns the company with me and we run, you know, we were the first two that started running it. And like, well, you know, we own these properties outright. There's not, we don't have debt service. So there's not, there's not some of the challenges that, that a few people had. Mm-hmm. And we're like, we'll just ride this out. And right away I had a person reach out for a long-term rental, which I'm not a, I don't typically do longer term rentals. I mean, I say we're fanatically focused around doing short term vacation rental management in the valley. Long term yeah. rental management's a different different game. Mm-hmm. But these folks were traveling the country and they said, "Hey, we'd like to rent your place for for a month." I'm like, "Great, you know, I have nothing yeah. on the books, so go ahead." Yeah. And they were there, and then they said, "We'd like to rent it for another month." It's like, great. So that was sort of a March, April into May. And then they were, they were pulling out and I was like, well, we'll see what the summer is like. So we're deep in COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided, well, I'll buy a couple more properties. What the heck? I've got some time to get these, these fixed up and started. Um, I had a couple other people ask us to manage theirs. And as the summer started to, you know, June started to hit, all of a sudden just boom, everything booked. Um, and I started asking people, you know, what are you worried about COVID? And they're like, yeah, we're super worried about COVID. <clears throat> That's why we're coming to the mountains. You know, we can go hiking and stay here. We don't have to see anybody. You know, do you, do you have contactless check-in? I'm like, yep, you'll never see me unless, unless you have to, and I'll be masked. Mm-hmm. Um, and literally in June, we were high 90s percent occupied and my lowest month since last June has been November, and that was 88.2%. Um, wow. So uh, it's been it's it's been very beneficial to be where we're at. From uh, will COVID impact your business? Mm-hmm. So people come here to mountain bike, they come here to fish, they come here to ski, they come here to hike. These are all activities that are what I would say pretty COVID safe. And, you know, all of our properties have well-stocked kitchens so you can, you can eat in, you don't have to go out to restaurants. If I were doing this in New York, if I was still downtown Mm -hmm. Minneapolis or, you know, New Orleans or something, you know, completely, I'm sure there's a completely different story that those people would have because people are coming there to go to concerts, go to games, go to restaurants, go to museums. Yeah, Mardi Gras, you know, things yeah. that just weren't considered safe activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, to sort of layer on top of it with everybody in the cities having challenges, 
uh, and everyone was sort of getting forced to work at home or asked to work at home, um, I got this wave of people looking for sort of longer term things. Mm-hmm. You know, I got to work from home. I, if you have bandwidth, let's let's. Uh, I'd like to rent your your house out, ski ski in the morning and night, and and then we'll or hike or fish or whatever they're they're doing. Um, so we were actually, and a lot of this is based on talking with other people, you know, in the mm-hmm. Valley, we were five to 10% busier than we have been in a traditional summer. Wow. And now people are finding out that they love it so much that there's sort of a crunch on properties around here because everybody now wants to move here. Mm. So very interesting. That's sort of our COVID story. We were blessed to sort of be where we were at when that yeah. happened and, and a place that people felt like they could still go to. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you took a big risk too, I think, to, to in a lot of people's eyes, a big risk on scaling in the, in the beginning or the, during the quiet time where you're like, well, I don't know where this is going to go. Let's just get some more properties and, and figure it out. But it's kind of cool because you picked up in your guys' area and your market, you picked up on two trends. One was the the rural destination type of get out of the urban cities, um, or or even just cul-de-sac neighborhood type type properties. And let's just isolate ourselves, but not feel like we have to be trapped inside all day, like we yeah. can't go anywhere. You know. So they they picked up on that trend. So they're able to be outside. They're able to have like peace of mind that they're not trapped in four walls for six months or eight months. Like I, I literally know one guy who did not leave his apartment for like eight months. And the moment he left, he was like, Oh my gosh, this is like, I was like, dude, I'm surprised you didn't go mad. Um, But so like you have that trend. And then of course the remote work. So I'm curious, was that a pretty significant thing for you guys was seeing a a lot of people being like, Hey, I, I I can work from home since that my work has now um, allowed it. Or is it the like business owner who says, you know, I just need my laptop and good internet to do what I'm doing. Um, I'm you see, yeah, you see both, but it was a lot more of the workers that, you know, were able to work on Zoom and, and do their mm-hmm. meetings remotely looking for longer term stays. And again, we didn't, you know, I had a lot of people reach out and we're looking for one, two month type things. And that's, that's not what we do. Yeah. Um, I, I tried never to rent for over 30 days um, yeah. for a myriad of reasons, but um I had a lot of people asking. So if I had wanted to, and I wanted to bifurcate the business and really focus on long-term, I could have, could have done some stuff there. Um, But there, you know, I was able to point them in other directions, other people that wanted to rent their properties long-term. So that's awesome. uh, Yeah. Well, I know we were already kind of talked about hostfully, but I want to ask a question on, um, will you be implementing more tech or, anything moving forward as we come out of it? Are you going to be implementing more automation or is there a certain part of your guys' business that you're going to continue to do? Um, even if COVID wasn't a thing, like this is something like, yeah, I'm glad that we figured this out now. Yeah. I haven't found an integration yet that actually goes in and cleans the properties. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I, I do have integrations that help me manage all the processes with that. Um, yeah, so as I, I mentioned on the hostfully side, so we started with them and that's sort of the that's sort of the hub of the world. I mean, that's yeah. that's where everything, that's where I start my day, that's where I end my day, and that's sort of what I'm looking at constantly. Uh, and and working with a partner like hostfully, it's been great because uh, 
one, they're, they're a company that's still concerned about the overall customer experience. I've got a very mm-hmm. personalized touch and feel from them so that when I have questions, have issues, and they're doing great things like setting up user groups and Facebook and things like that. Oh, yeah, so yeah. we can, we can talk with other property managers and, and uh, get some ideas. But when I look at, let's say that I want to expand my automation in some way, the first thing I do is go through their integrations page and look at who have they sort of vetted and who have they tied their APIs into, um, mm-hmm. because I don't want to have to manage multiple kinds of systems. I want to do everything in-hostfully and then just have it sort of work out. Yeah. So we, so we were talking about cleaning. So we did take one of the integration solutions that they had, uh, subscribed to that tied it in and it manages all of our schedules for all the cleaning and the trash taking out and the maintenance Mm. items and and super important. But again, it all starts with hostfully. We did the same thing with our automated locks. First thing I did was go to their integrations page, vetted all the people that they're tied into, chose one. And now that sort of automates our our changing of the codes. Um, We're integrated with our pricing solution. So Mm. First thing I did was vet everybody that they had integrations with because it all has to tie together. Yeah. And I feel like they're working really hard to make sure that their platform continues to scale and continues to sort of sort of work with some of the industry leading solutions out there. Now, the one piece that I'd, I'd like to get tied closer together is still on the accounting side of the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use QuickBooks Online. It's been a great solution. And I and I, I, I think I did find a accounting provider through them, um, but I'd like I'd like to be pushing and pulling numbers a little more seamlessly. So, yeah. um, but that's okay. I mean, accounting can sort of sit on its own, and you do there can't be any mess ups in accounting. Yeah, and it's tied into my payroll systems. It's tied into my state tax payment system. So, um, I get it where that's a that's a challenging integration. Um, but yeah, it works. And then, you know, they own the guidebook solution. So that, yeah. that, that integrates great. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. I'm able to take all the variables and populate the key codes and populate unique URLs for the guidebooks and, and sort of do that all through their messaging solution inside of Hostfully. Mm. I was going to say for the cleaning aspect, um, that, Sounds like, so for the audience perspective, how many properties are you guys at right now? Uh, we are at 10. Okay. And we've got three more in the pipeline. Nice. Um, so two just got added yesterday. Our marketing and everything's it's paying off. Yeah. Um, so, and it was just my wife and I, and, and now my daughter and son-in-law are both in the business full time. And we, you know, probably have 10 contract cleaners and, and, uh, a few maintenance people that we work with so it's yeah it's growing quick you know that's that's 12 months <laughs> uh, yeah that's a, that's a lot in 12 months and yeah. so that kind of proves that your eos um has has definitely um been executed on and uh i want you you said you said something about um the Idaho term and your marketing uh, in the beginning of the episode i'm kind of curious now how are you guys using that um in order to scale, are you guys doing any kind of marketing around that for the community to get more properties or what's your guys's like for other vacation rental managers or people listening to the show, how, how can they 
kind of learn from what you guys are doing on a marketing standpoint? Yeah. So when I, you know, I sort of fall back on my tech days too, when I think about marketing, um, you know, I've always said content is king and it's not content for the sake of having content just to, uh, just to throw up on a page. Um, let's put things out there that people are actually looking for that add value to mm. what you're doing. So we've recently started our blog. We're trying to do a blog a week around, and th this is geared towards people that would be coming to, to the Valley to vacation. Uh, so we just pushed a blog out yesterday on, on the nonprofit that, that maintains all the cross country ski trails. And, and, you know, yeah. we push it to try to get donations from our renters when they're, when they're here too, to help support the community. Um, but it also, it's a question you get all the time. It's like, Oh, where can we go to cross country ski? Well, now I can say, Hey, why do I have a blog? Uh, while you're there, why don't you subscribe to our newsletter? Mm -hmm. And I can drive that into repeat business. Well, and then you can also uh, tie that into your automation. You know, that's probably a common question you guys get. So boom, it's like, Hey, we wrote a blog about it. Automated. Yeah, done. Ex yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, I was happy to see that hostfully also integrates with MailChimp. That was one of the bulk email mm -hmm. platforms yeah. that I was, uh, super familiar with. We wrote one of the first integrations for them back into the CRM solution way back in oh, the wow. day. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great platform. And so, we're starting to work on how do we create repeat business from the guests and, and uh, you know, so, you know, we look at setting up the LinkedIn, setting up the Facebook, setting up the blog, mm -hmm. sort of creating that virtual electronic community. And it turns into the last lead I got for another property in the Valley there. I, I always ask, you know, so how'd you hear about us? Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, well, the Teton Valley, Facebook group, you guys had a blog out there that was interesting. So I thought I'd reach mm. out to you. Um, mm. So it all just plays on itself. And it's, uh, you, but you have, I always say you have to do marketing with the, the right intention. You can't, again, just yeah. show up and throw up. It has to be, yeah. it has to be, <laughs> how am I adding value to the community with this? Yeah. Well, do you find like you're marketing towards two different types of customers where you have like the traveling guests and then you have like the homeowner or do you feel that if you just kind of market towards one that both see it and then they kind of like, Oh, okay. This is what, like as a homeowner perspective, like, okay, they're, they're definitely trying to go get guests or trying to bring tourism and, and make this a destination experience or yeah. what's that? It is. It, so everything that we do out in the public is about, uh, or everything that we do in the, in the blog and whatnot is geared towards guests. So we're look we're trying to look at this through the eyes of guests. Mm -hmm. uh, restaurant, restaurant updates or, you know, the cross country ski things, or we just highlighted a trip. My wife and I did up to Yellowstone. That was, uh, the snow, snow mobile thing into the park. Mm -hmm. Um, when I look at potential property owners, they're going to pick up on that. They're going to see that yeah. we're doing something positive. Um, but to get at them, there's other ways, whether we run a local, local, uh, print ad in the local paper that basically talks about the return return on investment and vacation rental properties and and comparing us to other people you know that are mm -hmm. 18 percent versus the 45 percent you know so yeah. what does that look like on the bottom line uh, you work with local realtors you often have realtors come to you and say you know I've got these people they want to buy a property they're thinking of renting it can you 
walk them through what it would look like on the financial side for rental. Mm -hmm. Um, so how do you get in front of realtors? How do you, how do you get in front of the people that aren't in the community every time, except for a couple times a, a year? Yeah. Um, different, different than how do I make sure again, two different hats? How do how do yeah. I make sure my guests, uh, get the most bang for their buck on their vacation. Very true. No, I love that. And you just gave a lot of golden nuggets for the audience and anyone listening, but I guess we'll end the, the episode on, do you have any final pieces of advice for anybody who's in a similar market like you guys are in Idaho? Anything that you would highly recommend um, that has really worked for you guys? I know you just gave a ton, but is there anything in particular? Yeah, pick, pick platforms to automate on. You know, don't, don't try to keep track of this on spreadsheets and, mm-hmm. and inboxes and things like that. Uh, if you, if you have a single property, it'll probably work, you know, yeah. it, I, I know it'll work. Um, but if you actually want to grow into a community and then, then always put yourself in your guests shoes. I mean, you have to yeah. remember that without the guests, the, the business doesn't exist. So put yourself in their shoes, have some empathy, try to figure out, you know, if this was my vacation and I had a period in my life, you know, I would plan all year for my vacation and I would save up and I would spend those dollars to go have this, have this experience. Mm-hmm. You just don't, you know, we talk to the, and you hear the gripes and you hear complaints and you, you just can't get callous about that. You got to say, Hey, these people are coming here to, get everything they can. And then they got to go back to the grind in the city and, you know, figure it out. So how can I make sure that that experience is great? Yeah, that was great. I love that. Love that advice. It's uh, my biggest thing I've been saying is the moment we forget that we're in hospitality is the moment we just be, we don't, there's nothing different from us and any other type of business. We're just another transaction and it's no meaning behind it. So I think uh, what you just said was significant and really perfect. Um, sweet. Well, Jim, it's been so much fun to talk with you and get to learn a lot about your background. You have a quite an interesting perspective. I love that you come from having this big tech company to then now getting into that small, but unique experience vacation rental business. Well, I can't even say small because you guys are just scaling like crazy. So yeah, I think it's just super unique and your story is really cool. So I, I want to say thank you again for being on the show and for bringing the insight that you did to the audience. Yeah, it's been great to get to know you, Will. You'll have to come out and ski. And uh, we've always got room in the Idaho Valley for somebody to come out and <laughs> ski or board. Perfect. Yeah, we should do a podcast in the snow, maybe. Sounds like a exactly. lot of fun. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, actually, one last question. Where can everyone find you? I know I'm going to tag everything in the show notes, but anybody that's just kind of listening and, and wants to look you guys up, where, where can they find you? Yeah, so we've got a website, whitehoproperties.com. It's probably the best place to start. Uh, from there, and that sort of that homepage is sort of geared towards the people that are looking for us to manage properties. But you mm-hmm. can dive down into our blog, which is geared towards renters, or you can jump into all of our properties and sort of go through that. Uh, we've tied it in, not to keep talking about hostfully, but we tied <laughs> that in with. Uh, sort of their direct booking engine and white labeled okay. it all. I worked with their tech team to sort of get that all seamlessly integrated. So nice. we've got a great direct booking engine there that again, is pulling, pulling right out of the platform. So. Awesome. Yeah, man, did not mean to make, make all the plugs, but I love it. I think it's super cool. Yeah. Uh, we have lots of content to talk about, like you said. So 
I think that's uh, that's great. So I will tag everything in the show notes for all the Slick Talk listeners uh, that want to find out more. And of course, you can go onto the website and also my social media p- pages, and I will have everything tagged when this episode comes out. So thank again, thank you again, Jim, for being on the show, and I look forward to talking to you again more. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast, then you are amazing, and thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill-out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast. Podcast.